and you begin to read in the, in the Word of God, it is so awesome to see how things fit together. And so, by the help of the Lord, I want to link two, two Bible stories together and come up with some great truths. Uh, in the book of Numbers chapter 21, there is a familiar passage of Scripture. You may not know it where it is in the Bible, but you should most likely know the story, and that is that uh, they were leaving and they set out to go by the way of the Red Sea. They were going to go around the land of Edom. And, and as, be, as it became uh, pretty much par for the course with the Israelites, they had gotten out of Egypt, and God has miraculously delivered them from over 430 years of uh, bondage. And God brings them through the Red Sea. The Red Sea parts, and then the Red Sea encompasses uh, the Egyptians. And there's all these miracles that happen. And then all of a sudden, the Israelites start fussing and grumbling. They, they forget quickly how easy God delivered them. They forget quickly how easy God brought them out. And they start complaining, you know, we're hungry. And so God sends manna, which was literally bread from heaven that came down and it sustained them. And then, then later on, they, they grumbled some more. So God sent quail. And uh, I have it written down. I, I don't know, I can't remember exactly the verse in it, but I have it written down. But if you read the Bible, it tells you that when the quail landed and they just basically beat the quail out of the air, quail stacked up four foot all around the camp. Can you imagine? Quail, solid, just, just mess of quail. They had quail coming out of, uh, of their ears, and then they grumbled about that. But they, they get here, and they begin to complain about, you know, you brought us into Egypt, Moses, and you brought us to die here. There's no food. There's no water. We hate this food. We hate this uh, uh, stuff. And so the Bible says that God sent fiery serpents throughout the camp. Now, this is not like serpents that were on fire. It means that when they bit you, the venom and the, and the poison that was in there burned like fire. And so sometimes in the Bible, when God began to punish, he gave them a little bit of a warning, and then they, they got through it. He didn't get any warning this time. All of a sudden, out of everywhere, uh, serpents began to bite the people, and they died. In fact, later on, the Bible said uh, that there was a lot that, that passed on in that. Thousands died. And so when they begin to die, the people begin to repent. And probably for the first time in Israel's history, this is one of the most real repentance prayers that they've ever made. They said, we've sinned. We've spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away these serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And, Moses, and the Lord said to Moses, and this is what I want to get. He said, take you a serpent, set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent, and he set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he could look at the bronze serpent and live. How many of you work in a medical profession? All right, medical field. Have you ever noticed that many times when they want to talk about hospitals or physicians, they use a pole and it's got a snake wrapped around it? This is where they get that design from. And so it was that Moses made a bronze serpent and he put it up on a pole and he put it out there in the camp and everyone that looked at the serpent survived. Everyone that did not died. 
Now, here's what's really cool about that is when you begin to examine it, there are quite a few uh, uh, correlations there. In fact, you could hear the words of Jesus himself that he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And, and by the way, just for, for good hermeneutics, that doesn't mean if you lift up the name of Jesus in worship that he's going to draw all men unto me. It's a direct uh, 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 explanation of the cross that one day Jesus was going to be lifted up on the cross and he would draw all men into himself by salvation. But here's what I want to here's what I want to take a moment and explain. Why in the world would they take the image of what killed them and put it on the cross? Why not make an angel and if they look at the angel it would it would work. Now, I would tell you, first off, there's a biblical reason why, and that is that you're never allowed to have an image of the invisible God. It doesn't, I mean, Moses, or rather Aaron, he made a calf, and he said, this is the image of the invisible God, and God didn't like that. And so God has never wanted there to be any type of idolatry. And so that's probably the, the, the number one reason why we're not going to try to put an image of God somewhere up on a pole and, and put it there. That's why when you go to our church, we might have a cross at the back of the church, but you're not going to see Jesus on the cross because first off, he's not there anymore. But, but there's another reason why they chose to put the serpent on that pole. And I want to take a moment and I want to read you uh, four passages of scripture and then we're going to kind of bring it all home the first passage is second second corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 and i know a lot of you may not have your bibles today and uh, that's all right i'm gonna read it for you so that you can get it first corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 now here's what i want you to get out of it are you ready i want you to hear the verses and i want you to see if you can figure out where i'm going so the first one is i'm sorry second corinthians second corinthians Chapter 5 and, and verse 21. Are you ready? For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So, before I explain it, let me read it one more time and then we'll keep going. So, uh, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 3. You're going you're to see a common denominator in all of these. Romans chapter 8 and verse 3 says this. As soon as I can find verse 3. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Does anybody starting to see a, a correlation go? Let's go to Galatians. Uh, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13 says this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who, hang, who is hanged on a tree. And then I want to take you to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 22. 
1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 22. He, Jesus, committed no sin, neither was there deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continue to entrust himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Do you get to see a correlation there? There in the wilderness, the, the same... Uh, condemnation of sin if in the wilderness at that moment if they sinned a serpent bit them and they died but they put a serpent up on a pole and they said if you'll look to that serpent the very punishment that you are going through if you'll look there then you shall be saved now let me begin to walk this through and and and, and I'm I'm getting towards the end so uh, if you if you kind of have glossed over, you know, your eyes have glazed over, start paying attention now. So here's how it works. He didn't stick that pole inside the tabernacle. Those of you that have been around for a little bit, you, you, you've heard us talk about the tabernacle and all of the incredible things that happened in that tabernacle. But it was a private place. He didn't stick the pole in the, tabern- in, in the tabernacle. He didn't even stick the pole in that outside court of the tabernacle. And there's a reason. It's because by keeping the law, no one is saved. It may help you live a good life. It may protect you from a thing or two. But inside that tabernacle was not going to be the ultimate salvation. The only thing at that moment that would cure those who sinned was to look at the serpent on the pole. Now watch this for a moment. I couldn't look at the serpent for you, Brother Corey. If you had been bitten by that viper and, and that poison is coursing through your body, and, and how, how many of you have ever had a wasp sting or a hornet sting? All right. Now, I've had some bee stings in my life, but let you get hit by a hornet or a wasp, it's a whole nother level of hurt. Uh, I was mowing one time and hit an old swing set. And I made them mad. And I mean, they stung me on the top of my ear. They stung me on my eyelid. And they stung me right here on the inside of my nose. I thought I was dying. Another time, I was riding my bike. And I rode faster than the hornet was flying. And the hornet got me right there. I rode into the back of him. Now, let me just ask. Has anybody here ever been bitten by a venomous snake? Do you have anybody? I mean, people can. But it hurts. It burns like fire. And these snakes have come out. So, Corey, if, if, if you have been bitten by a snake and that, 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 that venom is coursing through your body, Brother Steve, that venom is coursing and you're in pain and agony and it's the punishment of your sin, I couldn't look at the snake for you. I can't pray you into salvation. I can't, I can't save you by my prayers and by what I do. The point is this. If you wanted to be saved, you had to look at that pole for your Self. Why, why, why does God say you got to look at the pole? Could it be that sin entered into humanity first by a look? If you go all the way to the book of Genesis, chapter 2 and chapter 3, it says, And Eve looked at the fruit of that forbidden tree, and she saw that it was good. And then, of course, we know she listened to the devil. The devil told her some bad things, and she uh, immediately finally ate the fruit. But sin started by a look. And I'm convinced today that salvation comes 
through a look by faith. For Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 says this, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Can I just tell somebody right here that no longer do we have the bronze serpent on a pole. In fact, later on in the book of, I think it's 2 Kings, uh, but one of the chronicles of the kings, later on you find that they destroyed that bronze serpent on a pole because Israel had held on to that bronze serpent and it had become an idol to them. And, and they begin to worship that idol of the serpent. And so later on in the reforms of, of, of Hezekiah and those, Hezekiah destroyed that because it wasn't about the pole anymore. But today I'd like to tell you that Jesus Christ became sin for you and I. That's hard, to, that's hard for me to wrap my mind around, Sister Sorrels. That God manifested flesh, that God left heaven came down and became flesh became like you and I walked on the earth they called his name Jesus and that sinless untouchable holy one took on the punishment that you and I deserve for the Bible says the wages of sin is death the Bible also says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God but he said I'm going to become your punishment what you should deserve, what you should get, I'm going to become it. I'm going to let him hang me on a cross. Every time we get around Easter, those, those pictures, and we begin to see it again, the agony of the cross. But he did it for you and I. Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 22. It's a prophetic word that pushes toward the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 22, and I'll... I'll pull it from the New King James Version this is what it says look to me and be saved all the ends of the earth what does it mean to look towards Jesus it's simple to look towards Jesus is to exercise that faith and say you died for my sins you were buried and you rose again so that I might have life and that more abundantly But because humanity is the same, and it doesn't matter if it was all the way back thousands and thousands of years ago or if it's today, I've often said that when uh, uh, Egypt, you know, that, that last plague that came to Egypt, the death angel was going to come and the firstborn was going to die. What did they say you had to do? You had to paint the blood across the top of the door and the side of the door. And because I've been around enough humans, I know, I know that there was some guy that said, this is dumb. I'm not killing my lamb and painting the blood around the door just because somebody says there's a death angel coming. Of course, you know, that'd be denying the first nine plagues, and I think if God can make the first nine plagues happen, pretty confident he's not going to mess up on the tenth, right? But surely there had to be somebody that didn't do it, and they really regretted it later. But in my mind, and maybe this is just Brandon's imagination running rampant, but in my mind I can see those serpents slithering out throughout the camp and they've begun to attack and there's people in agony, there's people in pain, there's people dying, there's people that's already died. And somebody says, all you got to do is look, at, look up there at the, at the serpent. And the guy in his pain and his agony goes, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard of. Why don't you take a knife and cut a slit in it and suck the venom out? You know, that's what they do in the westerns, right? 
Just, just find, find me the doctor. Where's the doctor? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That's the most foolish thing I've ever heard. Why in the world should I ever have to look up there at a bronze snake? But if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 around verse 18, you'll find that this whole cross thing to a lot of people is foolishness. In fact, it's so much it became a stumbling block to the Jews. They couldn't get over it because they knew that someone that died on the cross was a, was a criminal. He was something bad, and so it messed them up. And they said, it's foolish for us to look at the cross of Jesus Christ. Someone else might say, it's too simple. I need something more complex. It's kind of like when Naaman the leper, those of you that remember that story, Naaman the leper, all he had to do was go jump in the Jordan River seven times. But he wanted something a little more big. You know, give, give me something that, that, that looks you know, a little bit more important. I don't want to have to go jump in that muddy river. It's too simple. There's a lot of people that would say it's too simple to just put my trust in the cross of Jesus Christ and the death and the burial and the resurrection and the gospel. But I'd like to tell you it still works. Can you imagine the joy of that camp as they begin to as they begin to, to call out and say, Hey, I know there's some that have died, but the answer is here. All we got to do is go look at that, that pole with the serpent. People begin to flock to it. And, and it. and it was as soon as they looked, the pain was gone. As soon as they looked at that pole with the serpent, the, the, the dying stopped. And it was available. And it was available for whoever wanted and needed that help. Can I tell you today that 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15 says that Jesus came into this world to save sinners and that salvation is available and all you have to do is look to the cross. And you want to know how you look to the cross? Paul, or, or rather Peter, Peter said it best because Peter on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, preached about the cross. And he directed their attention back to the cross the cross that Jesus died upon he, he died y'all buried him in a tomb and three days later he rose again and this same Jesus whom you've crucified has come to save the world and someone said well you've shown us the cross you've shown us the pole what do we do and Peter said and it's, it's, it's basically this is how you look at the cross then Peter said unto them repent and be baptized every one of you for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost it's simple and it's available and all you have to do is look to Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith at the end of that story in, in, in Numbers if I could use my imagination Thousands died. And, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a lot, Brother, brother Hare. I'm, I'm going to bend that scripture pretty, pretty drastically. And so this ain't scripture. But just imagine if at the end of that they died and they stand before judgment. And I can only see God looking at them and going, all you had to do was look at the pole. Why? Why did you die when the answer was right there? The flip side of that is this. There will be a day one day when all of us stand before judgment. And all of us stand there and 
Can you imagine the, the look on Jesus' face when he says all you had to do was look to the cross. Just repent, be baptized, be filled with my spirit. Let me live with you, let me walk with you. That's all you had to do. And you let it pass you by. And now I have to say, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. There's going to be a lot of people that walk into hell because they simply didn't look to the cross. But everyone that walks on the streets of gold are going to be there because they looked at the cross and they looked at the presence of God. I want us to stand right now. And I want you just to close your eyes because while I know a, a lot that are here today, there's some I don't know and I would never assume to try to judge you today and try to say you're saved or not saved today because to be honest I, I can't answer that but the Lord is in this place and I feel his presence and I feel his power and we got just a little bit of time I think it would be good for you to close your eyes and I think it would be incredible for you to look to the cross and don't let an opportunity of salvation pass you by if you've never repented of your sins you need to do so today right now Nobody has to hear what you say. It, it's between you and God. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, you need to make sure that happens. And if you've never allowed the glory of His Spirit to fill your heart and to push out all of that sin and all of that shame and all of that guilt and condemnation and let the Holy One of Israel take residence in your heart so that you surrender your life to the Savior, this is a moment you can do that. All you got to do is lift up your hands and begin to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We're going to let the glory of God fill this place for a moment in Jesus' name.